What a powerful testimony, hey? Wanted to have a little all fall down there. Thank you. It's so good to be with you guys. I'm just going to open in prayer. Gosh, I'm so short. I usually wear heels when I'm preaching. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your presence with us now and always. We thank you for how you break through into people's lives and change everything in an instant. And Father, I really ask that we would just really and truly position our hearts now to hear from you, our Father, and to get excited again about what it is that we carry. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, um, this is the third week of Oh, that's loud and boomy, sorry. No, I think it's okay. <laughs> I can't wear the thing today because it was poking my eye. I don't know, it's kind of bent, so I've got to use this one. Um, so there's a few things about that video that I really love. I think um, I love seeing this Kelly who's just in such a dire situation and she describes this war that's raging around her and... And then there's a voice. There's a voice saying, ask for help, ask for help. And so she reaches out to somebody. But what I love about it, this, and I spoke about it in the first week of the series, is that we sometimes forget. You know, we get given this grand job of go and make disciples. And it sounds so daunting and so scary and so we've seen so many bad representations of it. But what we forget is that there's always a preparation that is going on from heaven. And there's a voice saying to Kelly in this moment, go and ask for help. Go and ask for help. And so you now imagine Estelle getting this call. It's not out of nowhere. There is somebody who's saying, I'm in a dark place and I need a light. And for whatever reason, you're it. (laughs) And you know, when you get invited into that moment of co-laboring with God, it is the most spectacular setup. You're just literally walking in and saying, God, what am I obedient to in this moment? And so that's what we see with Kelly. Now, what I also love about it is that Estelle's quite honest about the fact that when Kelly phoned her, she's like, who is Kelly? Like she kind of had forgotten who Kelly is, which leads me to know that Estelle must have had an impact on Kelly. There must have been something of Estelle in in what she witnessed in Estelle that made her go after 10-something years, phone Estelle. Now, has anyone in this room ever encountered Estelle? Just out of interest, okay. Estelle is the most enthusiastic, passionate, wild lover of Jesus. Like, She's contagious. You can't, you can't be around her for more than a few seconds to know <laughs> all about Estelle. Um, so, you know, I think that our lives as carriers of Jesus are meant to be a sign. I think that Estelle's like a billboard. You know, she's one of those <laughs> people that it's just loud and it's there. And I think that part of today is to recognize the fact that a lot of us, may have thought that if we can't be a billboard, that we're no good for being a part of going and making disciples. And I'm here today to say that that's absolute rubbish, because God needs signs and billboards. He needs a stills, and he needs the quiet voice, the quiet, obedient person who's ready for that call that says, I need help. So um, I think today I just 
I want to do a little bit of kind of exciting reframing about this incredible job that we've been given to co-mission, to co-labor with our God, to go and make disciples. Um, one of, I think, the things that I consider to be a gift in my life is that I actually, this will sound strange, but I actually didn't grow up in a church family. Um, I, I actually have had half of my life outside of the, the church and half of my life inside of the church. But what that's caused in me is actually quite a sensitivity to the language that we use and to how strange actually a lot of what we talk about as Christians can sound to people. And so through today, I just, I just want to give us kind of a fresh look on this because this is an important thing that Jesus invited us into, to this commission to go and make disciples through all the nations and to the end of the earth. And I want to actually help us all today to see that we don't need a qualification. We don't need to be a billboard. We just need to be reminded of the hope that we have and to just use language that is true and authentic. And we know we don't need to have um, these words that I think when you've been in the church a very long time, a lot of the words that they used are like the ABCs of, of Christianity, like these words. Some of you would have noticed them and some of you wouldn't have because we're so used to them in the church. But deliverance, spiritual warfare, salvation prayer, born again, these words, we, we're just so used to them that we don't even recognize potentially how strange they are when we carry them into situations. So, yeah, that's a little bit of what today's about. But I wanted to, yeah, to, to just take a moment to really talk about what it is that we have and what it is that we carry. Um, and to do that, I want to start right at the beginning because I think that there's so much more to being a disciple and making disciples, then maybe we have thought. It's not simply a prayer that guarantees us a place into heaven. It is something way bigger that we all get to step into and carry wherever we go. So if we just go back to the Genesis story, we've got day one where he makes light and dark. And I kind of like to think of this as order and chaos, but he makes this light and dark. Day two, um, light and, sorry, sky and atmosphere. Day three, land and seas. And the land has these seed-bearing plants and trees that are life-giving. And then day four is the sun and the stars and the moon and the heavenly hosts. You know, these things that people have got to explore and discover and research. And then we get the sixth day, birds and fi- Sorry, fifth day, birds and fish. And the sixth day, it just all comes together where we have... Um, Animals and humans in our image, male and female, given to rule and reign. It says he looked over all of it that he had made and he said, what? It is good. It is very good. And, and in this creation story, I just, I just want you to understand, this is like the, the perfect picture of health and the perfection of environment and sustainability and connection between the people. There's no shame. There's complete openness and vulnerability between them and complete connection to their God. This is how God had wanted it. This is how it was meant to be. This is the kingdom of God. And in this place, there was complete and utter unity and peace. Peace and unity reign in this place. It's a place where there's complete justice. And then we look at what we see today. And I think probably the thing that causes me most pain in what I see today is the utter division. 
Um, I think I'm not going to uh, comment in a way that you know who I would have supported, but, um, you know, this has been a massive week in the USA, and I think in the weeks building up and, you know, it, the division has been utterly heartbreaking to witness. Um, we in our own country experience terrible division. There are families who are suffering with division. Everything that God had ever wanted, that place in the garden, that what looks like the kingdom of heaven, has been broken. And so when we get this invitation to be disciples, it's, it's not simply like a moment that changes our status with God. It's this understanding that we walk in this world in a way to bring back those kingdom aspects wherever we see them, however we can. So I'm going to dive into this scripture today. It's really, it's an incredible scripture from 1 Peter 3, and, and it just speaks to how it is that we carry this, this message, how it is that we live a life that will actually cause people to say, what is the reason for your hope? What is going on there? So now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of the threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But, I think we must pay big attention when there's a but. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what, the, what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So I'm just going to unpack little elements of this quickly. So now, who will want to do harm if you are eager to do good? I think we all know that we've got this kind of mandate to walk well in the world. You know, as people who are followers of Jesus, we must do good. But that can sometimes work against some of us when we think that good means perfect. It's not about perfection. It's about as you get revelation about the next thing that you can do that is good, you do that. Um, it's about choosing the difficult things in a way that cause people to go, why would they do that? It's about potentially paying a living wage instead of a minimum wage or about not taking the cheaper tax-free price. It's about these things that are good, but not easy, that cause people to kind of stop and ask questions. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't be worried or afraid of their threats. We have to recognize that so often as we carry this and we try to be a force of light that goes into darkness, that there can be suffering, that it is not easy. We are often presented with opportunities to kind of cower back against the very brokenness or the evil or the destruction or the divisiveness. But when we forge forward, it can feel like suffering. It can manifest as suffering, but we are not alone. And the threats will not stand. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You know, Worshipping him as Lord of your life is about how salvation is not just a once-off thing. This is, this is what it says to me. Worshipping him as Lord of your life is the daily decisions, sometimes many decisions in a day, 
where we have to invite him to take lordship in our life over a situation. It's about being saved over and over and over and over again. It's about going, I want to do this, but is that going to be the best thing? How do I place the Lord into the midst of the situation? And so often we don't know the answer to that question, and that's where we get to ask for help, as Kelly did. We're asked to do it in a gentle and respectful way. I think, sadly, that so often Christians come in with that emphatic right and wrong message as opposed to kindness and love. And we were chatting this morning um, before we prayed, and, and it is by what that they will know that you are my disciples? By the way you love. It's not about you will not be known as disciples for your rightness and your wrongness. You will be known as Jesus' disciples by the way that you love. So this, this really today is a message about hope. It's about the fact that at each in, every, in each and every one of our lives, at some point, there was an interruption. There was a trajectory, which was our own kind of ideas and our own best attempts. And those can actually go well. They can go well, but they're quite hard, and there's a striving and an effort, and it's like a pull yourself up by the bootstraps. By the way, that's a saying that actually it's very, very hard. If you actually try and imagine pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, it's, it's actually impossible. We, we can. We can do okay in life, but the message that we carry, this, this message of hope, is that this God who had wanted a way for us to live interrupts our life at some point. And gives us the ability to live differently, to live with a kingdom mind in a way that is empowered by his spirit. His, his spirit comes in and empowers us to go, this doesn't have to be hard. There is a, a spirit that will guide me in the right decisions. There is a spirit that will empower me. So back to these words, you know, we, we carry this message of hope. And we're going to take a moment at the end of today to just remember, to really remember what it is that God did when he interrupted our stories. And if that hasn't happened for you yet, we will gladly pray with you. But we carry this message, and I want to put it into different language again for you today, because like I said, we, we hear that testimony. And for those of us who've been in church forever and a day, we could go out there into the world and we have this language that can make us kind of sound almost like an expert witness. We actually, we were only asked to be a witness. <laughs> you know, we were just supposed to explain it. And it's only in years of being in church that we adopt these languages and lingos that can potentially make it, we, we're almost too scared to carry it because it sounds like this expert language. So the first is, you know, it's really something to think about a lot, but there's this prayer of salvation. You know, Estelle offered... Kelly to pray a prayer of salvation. Now, we came to know the Lord through a prayer of salvation. How many of you made a decision and prayed a prayer of salvation? I'd love to see the hands. Okay. It's, it's a beautiful moment of, of, I suppose, doing with somebody, just making that decision. But there's so much more to it. I, I remember an incredible woman that I used to work with who, who just said that she was saved. She had her moment of salvation when she was three years old, sitting on a swing in a garden. She didn't say a prayer of salvation, 
but she just had this utter, complete awareness that God was with her, that it was Jesus who would give her connection to God, and she, she shaped her whole life according to that. Um, a prayer of salvation is a beautiful moment where we get to lead somebody and share with somebody that choice to surrender and to step into a, way, a new way of doing things. But it's not the end of it. Sometimes I think when we say just a prayer of salvation, we think that's it. We've done what we need to do. And it's not. Being a disciple is about daily choosing how do I follow Jesus into this situation, into this moment, into this relationship, into this area of division. How do I carry him? The next thing is spiritual warfare. Now, like, can you actually imagine how strange that can sound? to people out there, like a warfare that's spiritual. What is it? And yet it rolls off the tongue. We all know of it so well because we've heard it spoken and preached so often. There's this spiritual realm that operates, okay? And it's operating in a way that we can't see it, but we know that it's there and it's controlling outcomes. And we can feel it magnified. That's when we call it a spiritual warfare. But it comes across in, in irrational fear, in irrational stress, irration, irrational anger, hatred, or bitterness. It is this, it's, it's what happens actually when we allow ourselves to partner with the opposite of what God had wanted for us. So often, yeah, it's, sorry, just let me go back a minute. It's, it's where you're in such an absolute pit of despair, where the, the darkness is just encroaching, and, and you're at a war. And, you know, God can completely and utterly break into those moments of spiritual warfare, but so often we need to ask for help. And that is the absolute beauty of a spiritual family, when you just don't know how to break out of that moment of despair. It's when you just need somebody else to come with a word or a prayer or an encouragement or a direction for you. There's no shame in that. We know that God can give us all that we need, but we also know that he never wanted us to be an island. And in those moments, we get to just say, God, who is it? And call that person. We don't do this alone. The next word that we roll off the tongue so easily in church circles is deliverance. Um, You know, deliverance itself in a word is like well, you know, you deliver a baby. There is a newness. There's something that happens. And deliverance is also like a, it's a term of pulling people out. You know, you get delivered from slavery. You get pulled out of something. And when we talk about deliverance, you know, people have these images conjured up of like scary stuff, you know, um, exorcisms and, and all sorts of things. And they're like, oh, we don't go to church. We might have deliverance, you know. I want to tell you that deliverance is the most incredible gift. And you don't have to use the word deliverance. Deliverance, if I could describe it to you this simply, is changing your mind. It's a moment where there is a lie that is so deeply entrenched inside of you, and you allow yourself to get truth that changes that lie. I'm going to tell you about a time I was delivered in church. I've probably shared this before, but Deliverance can be the gentlest thing, and it can be quite wild and explosive. But I want to tell you that God will never do beyond what you're prepared for. Okay, he's not a bully. And if you ever land yourself up in deliverance or or a moment of being set free, God goes exactly as you can handle. But here I was, desperately needing counseling um, just to deal with a whole lot of stuff that had been going on. And 
My deliverance came when the pastor, Ross, said, so often people go to counseling thinking that their situation will change. And really, their situation in counseling never changes, but their perspective changes. And in that moment, I kid you not, I felt a black thing leave me. I felt a darkness leave me. And where the devil had tricked me and, to, and I had accepted a lie that I was a victim, that I could never be free of these crushing circumstances, a truth came in and said that if I just sat myself differently and looked at it with a different perspective, that I would be free. And in that moment, I was delivered. So if you want to talk about deliverance to somebody, if somebody's come to you for help, you don't have to use the, the word deliverance. You can use the word even change your mind or can we see what the lie is and find a truth that can replace that lie and know that sometimes that can look like a painful groaning (laughs) and sometimes it can just look like a deep breath that resets somebody's entire life. But that's what deliverance is. It's where do you need to change your mind? Where do you need to believe differently and allow the truth to sink in? You know, I don't think I've ever been involved in a deliverance that wasn't birthed in a trauma. And really, there is an enemy of our souls who wants to make us believe that we actually aren't loved by him. And that's what happens in the moment of trauma, where you actually go, God, do you really love me? And that little doubt sinks in there. And I, I just want to say, if anybody here has had trauma that they think might be unresolved, if there is this spiritual warfare that is repetitive that just keeps coming up in the form of bitterness or anger or fear, there is potentially a trauma that has happened that we can pray for. I love, this is my favorite part of ministry, is praying for people who recognize that there's a trauma that has skewed their trajectory from what God had for them. So if you think that there could be a trauma that has allowed a little lie, to sink in and to cause you to think that you can't get your way out or that God didn't love you enough or anything that's in opposition to that kingdom of God that we spoke about. I'd love you to just come and speak to me or somebody in this place that you know and love and trust, somebody in your life group, but it shouldn't shouldn't go unremedied by God. And then born again. You know, this is a very strange thing for people to hear, born again. It just rolls off the tongue in Christian circles. But this born again is the most spectacular thing. It's, it's about being born again into the different story. We were born into Adam. We get born into Christ. We were born into Adam and inherited all of his strife and brokenness and mess. But when we get in, born into Jesus, we inherit a new story. And, you know, back to the creation story, we have this beautiful, you know, he breathed his breath, his ruach, into Adam. And when we get born again, we get this new breath of life that comes into us, this spirit that helps us to align our minds with the kingdom of heaven and to operate and walk differently in this world. Acts 5.32, we are witnesses of these things, and so it is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. Sorry, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. All of us are witnesses. If we're sitting in this place today, I believe that we have witnessed either lives around us that have had their trajectory changed by God or we ourselves 
have had that happen. And like I said, we are witnesses. That's all we are. We, we testify to the truth that we've seen. And too, too often the church has caused us to think that we're disqualified from being witnesses because we think we don't have the lingo or because we think that we don't have the theology or we don't know how to explain the dinosaurs or we don't know how to, to speak to the moral revolution. We, we are tricked into thinking that we are not qualified to share. And actually all it is is to recognize that we carry hope. We carry the person of Jesus and we must always be ready to give an answer for our hope. That is what we are witness to. So if I, I recount what it is that is the hope inside of my life, I know that I always felt a misfit. I always, for many years, felt that my life was a mistake. I never felt that I fit in. I always felt the complete odd body and just always a little bit, a few degrees off to the crowd. Um, I felt completely railroaded by a rejection wound that I had. I felt a complete victim in my life, like things had happened to me and that was my story, that I could not shift or change or adjust. And then in a moment, the love of God came in and changed it all. He gave me a hope. He He gave me a moment where I tasted the unity with God that was always meant to be there. That he had planned from the foundations of the world with his son Jesus. And I carry that hope. Now, just because I found that hope in that moment in that salvation prayer doesn't mean that it ends there. My hope grows each and every time. I actually just ask God, How do you want to change this story that I'm in today? How do you want to invade this situation that I'm in today? How do I actually change my mind about this thing in front of me? There is a never-ending ability for the kingdom of God to break into us if we will just be willing to keep going, God, what is it today? How do I be hope in this situation? Our hope doesn't end at the moment that we say a prayer. Our hope grows, and our hope grows as we continue to see the story in ourselves and others around us. So today, really, the call is, and this is not meant to be something that you walk away going, oh my gosh, I've got more to do. It's actually a call to refresh your view on what it is to go and make disciples, To go and make disciples actually just means I submit myself to following Jesus. I submit myself in every way, in every situation, in every belief to going, how can I live more like my king? And that fills you with daily hope. It restores your hope. Guys, it doesn't mean that you don't have bad days and bad moments and even bad weeks. It doesn't mean that, oops, like now it's just perfection and candy floss. It's not that at all. It's just that with this hope that is eternal and everlasting, we can't get sunk. And if you feel like you're sinking, there's somebody you need to ask for help. Just shout out to somebody. But the call today is to live in a way that provokes questions. It's to face a situation in a way that sometimes is just shocking to those around you. Because it's obvious that you could have chosen something easier. 
Or it's obvious that she could have just got caught up in the trajectory of that horrible situation. But it's about standing your ground with your feet firm in the hope that it's the person of Jesus. So how do we do this? As the verse said, it's just by being good, by being kind and generous. And then about that daily submission to him to say, how can I be a sign for you, a billboard for you? Okay, Estelle didn't invade Kelly's flat. Estelle had lived in a way that caused Kelly to look at her and go, what does that woman carry? Because whatever that is, I need. I'm in despair. And she's carrying a hope. And Estelle was ready to give her a reason, an answer for her hope. That is what it is. It's being ever ready to change our minds, to be obedient, to not go bouldering in with all this jargon, but to understand that we, we serve a God who intercepts and changes lives to bring us back into the closest thing to kingdom on earth that we can have on this side of eternity. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your hugeness. We thank you that, God, you are Lord over it all. And that even though we, we look around and we see the brokenness and we see all the despair and all the stuff that is not what you had intended, you still invite us daily to carry the hope that brings about that kingdom. <clears throat> Father, won't you remind us of what it is that you've done in our lives, of the hope that you've given us. And God, we ask you to send us Kellys, to send us people who will, who will know that we carry the keys to something that they don't yet know. And then we will never, ever go into that place with arrogance and right and wrong, but simply with the love that you have given us first. Father, I pray that you would expand all of our views on what it can look like. Please don't let us think small, God. Please, would you give us this great, big, expansive heaven perspective that you have for us. Where our eyes have become jaded with what the world is showing us, God, give us your perspective. We will not be victims to what's going on around us, Lord. We will be there for each other when it is sore and when we are struggling. But God, we will not succumb to it because we carry the hope, the everlasting hope that is you, our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, uh, sorry, I just want to close with this one story. It's hysterical, but I've, I just feel prompted to share it with you. Um, the other day I went for a run and um, I encountered this woman um, I, you know, I've started doing this like I thing. So shame if you if you run past me. I'm like, hello, like you're gonna know you ran past me. I don't I don't just let people kind of go past. I I'm desperate to just build connection wherever I go with people, and um, so I ran past this lady and I'm like, hello, and she was obviously like me because she's like hi, and she started stopped and she's like, have you heard of Bridgefell? And I'm like, do I know you? But I was just being friendly and anyway, so she starts telling me. Um, you know, that she's, 
got this desire to, to just have green belts all over Durban North and to do whatever she can to restore the plants and the wildlife and the environment and get bees back. And just, you know, she just started talking about this and she's like taken over areas. In fact, one is right across the road from our house where she's planted all these indigenous shrubs just to do what she can to, to restore kingdom in the way that she's been wired to do it. And um, it was just such fun to, to meet this woman who is so alive with the way that God has wired her to bring kingdom. And like, yeah, I, I, we ended up speaking for half an hour uh, we both cried. We both prayed. We had Holy Spirit moments. People walking past like we were mad. My family thought I had died or something because I was gone very, very long. Um, and it was just like it was just like encountering an angel. And and she's working with so many people who are passionate about the same thing who don't know God, but who looking at this woman and going, she wants to restore something beautiful that it was meant to be. And you know, the funniest thing is she she's taken a scripture that we all know to be like the most important probably one of the most important scriptures ever. And she's taken her own take on it. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And she's just stopped. Now, it's not theologically full and accurate, but it's not wrong either. She goes, well, for God so loved the world. And her revelation was that he loved the world as he made it. And that means I'm going to try and make it back how he made it in perfect order. And, and you know, this beautiful synchedness of what should be here. To the point that then, I mean, it was so funny because there was this plant next to us. And she said, that's an alien plant. And every day I, I, I run past, I pray for it to shrivel up and die because it's not meant to be here. God did not, that, that's meant to flourish somewhere else. And it's a cancer to our environment. I don't, I know that this sounds crazy to you all, but guys, I left that woman and I felt alive. I felt like my fire had been lit because this woman has embraced what God has called her on this earth to do, to bring kingdom. And he's got that for all of us. And we need to unlock that for one another and work out what it is so that when we come across people, there is a contagiousness to bring kingdom to earth. And that, it's, it's hope. She left and I was like, oh wow, that was the most hope-inspiring thing. It was beautiful. So anyway, that was my closing story. Uh, guys, I love you. Have a wonderful week. Um, please sign up if you'd like to for ladies, men's or Bible study and go and grab a coffee. It's been wonderful to be with you.